Welcome to the Public Morality. America recently commemorated the 60th anniversary of the assassination of its 35th president, John F. Kennedy. Six decades after that tragic day on November 22nd, 1963, people still discuss his influential but brief time in the Oval Office. I speak from personal experience as my comrades and I periodically regale ourselves in the Kennedy legacy. I have invited one of those good friends, the Reverend Bill Winstrom, to join me on the public morality to discuss the Kennedy legacy. Pastor Bill Winstrom, welcome to the public morality. Thank you, Byron. Thank you. Uh, it's nice. Uh, uh, it's weird talking to you uh, this way rather than face to face when we have our little meetings, uh, smoking cigars and stuff. Well, there, there, well, there we go. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure we will rekindle that moment later on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to begin with what is probably the obvious question. Why, in your view, does the JFK legacy linger why does it endure after six decades? Uh, other than the obvious that he's because of the technology and the old films and the, his speeches, you know, uh, his obviously his charisma uh, He's the most glamorous president we've ever had. And I think that's pretty uh, in the modern times. But I think also is, uh, you know, he as time has gone by since his assassination, a lot of things have come out. Like, for instance, I was just thinking about it the other day when we were talking about this is, uh, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, the documentation came out about that, the, you know, the minutes to the meetings and the recordings. And I read the book that has all, all this stuff. And you listen to that and people, you know, you can see he's the smartest guy in the room and he's the he's the coolest cat in the room. And I think that that's got through to modern historians. It's been passed along. There's been books done on it. So I think his his uh, his his legend or his stature has grown because of those things as time has gone by. I don't think he's just he's, he's proven himself not to be just a pretty face. He's somebody who is, you know, he's he's he, he's he's got tons of courage. And that's the other thing that's come out as the time has gone by and what he was dealing with at the time. Uh, and his own government and not just with the Russians and, the, you know, the communists, but he was uh, he was a courageous guy and he did a lot of things. We talked about this before in our, in our discussions is that, you know, he was he uh, he had the he had the conviction, he had the courage to, to you know, live by his convictions. And, you know, and even if it cost him, you know, uh, so I think that's one of the reasons that uh, you could say that he is uh, he's still with us today and he still has a big impact. In fact, his shadow is very uh, looming, very large in politics today, right? So, yeah. uh, you you mentioned you used an important word. You said courage, and I, I think really this whole the legacy. If you really think about it, if you just sort of rewind the tape, the legacy begins with PT one hundred and nine. Yep, and 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 some hold the view today that um, Kennedy could have very easily been court-martialed for poor seamanship. Yeah. But I don't think anyone can dispute his heroism after the boat was struck. Your thoughts? Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, first of all, those things were death traps anyways, if you read about them, as you probably have. Um, you know, he that's a dangerous job. I and mean, here he is, you know, he's a rich kid's uh, 
you know, he's a rich kid. <laughs> His dad's an ambassador, former ambassador. And uh, he takes this most difficult job in, you know, with his health issues, which is another thing we, we look back and say, okay, he had all these things going on. We didn't even know when he was alive and he's, and he's doing this stuff and he's president and he's, you know, and it's just the interviews of the people who were on that ship with him that, 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 that when they had the, uh, when they got uh, rammed, uh, was a Japanese destroyer. You know, they talk about this guy, about JFK and what he did. And it's just incredible. You know, it's the, I always say, and I have probably said this to you before, your profiles and courage. He should be the, he should be in that book himself <laughs> along with his brother. If, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know, it's sort, it's sort of ironic because, you know, the, the G- JFK's heroism um, probably led to the untimely death of his older brother, Joe, who couldn't let his younger brother be the only war yep. hero in the Kennedy family. Yeah, so the com- competitiveness there. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so it's a double. So 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 this this whole aura that the father, Joe Kennedy, creates in this competition sort of is part of part of the demise and part of the larger family tragedy it's 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 a virtue and a vice would you say that yes 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 it was great that he inspired his children you know to be you know the best they could be and you know uh, i mean joe has a response you know joe jr has a responsibility for what he did but yes of course it was driving him to be he wanted to be the top dog he's he wanted to be the alpha male and in the family and he couldn't let his brother overshadow him and you know, uh, they both had tremendous courage. I mean, I, you know, I, I it's yeah, I, it's a great description of that relationship, you know, uh, with their dad. And Bobby Kennedy's made some comments about his dad, you know, uh, over the years uh, in, 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 after his, uh, you know, his brother's assassination stuff. But that's another story for another day. Um <laughs> You, you, you know, you, you, you drive me to a, to, to, to another thought, where, whereas, you know, one of the stories that we hear a lot that um, JFK uh, was really fulfilling the ambitions of his father, Joe Kennedy, mm-hmm. which were originally reserved for his older brother, Joe, as we just mentioned. Yeah. I, I don't think it's possible to become president of the United States driven by someone else's ambition that what drove John Kennedy was the ambition in John Kennedy, not his father's goals or, or, or trying to fill the void left open by then Tommy Deficit's brother. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he, well, that uh, the PBS documentary on him, <laughs> and he's climbing up those. I've I've been in those. I've walked in those those houses. You know those old houses, and you know talk uh, about those. The, talk about the triple deckers. Talk yeah, about the that triple decker. I mean that the, he he walked all the way up those stairs many 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 times with the back problem. You know you you you're doing it because you're running for president and running for getting in politics, not because your dad wants wants you to, but you feel that you could make a contribution. Like he said, uh, I, he, you can't, you can't fake that, you know, I, he, I you know, and, uh, and, and it, all through his, you know, all through his, you know, as a running for house of representatives and running for Senate, you know, he was a sick man, bad back, had a surgeon, was died three times. You know, they gave him the, the, the uh, you know, the last, last, last. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so you, you can't be doing this because of your dad, 
you got to have that drive in you anyways. Like my father used to drive, you know, he wanted me to be the best. I was, baseball was my thing. And uh, so he would, you know, I had that drive anyway. He didn't, he, he inspired me and he thought, I, you know, he gave me the, uh, the what do you call it, to, uh, the courage to go, whatever, to, to go do it. But it had to be me to do it, you know? And like he would always, so that to me, that's, yeah, his dad was a, was a big, obviously influential person, but you couldn't do what he did and to run for president and you're under the scrutiny of all the, and you're putting your family through all this, the scrutiny, man, you got to be wanting to do it for yourself more than anything. And for the country in his case. Well, I mean, it isn't that uh, sort of stepping away from candy for just a moment. Isn't that part of, our challenge as a country that we, we look for the easy story. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, easy. yeah. so the easy story becomes, you know, you know, rich kid becomes president. The hardest story is talking about when we talked earlier about PT one Oh nine and how yeah. he told a guy, you know, yeah. three miles on, on, <laughs> on his back or, or, you know, when he's first, running for Congress. He's walking these, you know, these triple decker houses and oh, with yeah. a bad back. I and I can't even imagine. That, oh, that's a, but that's not the, that's not the clean, neat story. And yeah. so, yeah. and I think with, with part of the Kennedy legacy, it seems to me is that by not going into the, the nuance of his story, we lose a good part of this legacy in my view. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that to me, makes him human. You know, I think we like to go and deify the guy, you know, he, no, he, he, he's a human being just like you and I have a good looking guy born to a rich family. Uh, but, uh, and he went to war when he didn't have to go to war another thing. Uh, but, uh, I really, you know, in fact, he, he, they lied to get him in there, you know, <laughs> his doctors. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, back to your point was, is uh what was the point again <laughs> no, that, <laughs> i get all that, excited that, about the other one it's like that's fine no but but just just that the clean story is not as interesting yeah as yeah. the the nuanced story right yeah he it's nothing is uh nothing is uh, clean and beautiful and it's a fairy tale that's that's just for you know if you really want to get to know who he really was, you, there's a lot there. There's a lot of people, a lot of stuff you can read on it. A lot of guys who talked about him, who were right there with him, the guy he served with in the country. Yeah, it's that's the sort of thing. The guys when he was running for House of Representatives and on the in Senate and the presidency. Yeah, they the, that's the you know, he you know dealing through. I admire him more. I think we talk. It speaks to our reason why we're talking about his stature. Why is he still with us today? Why is it? You know, his shadow is a, a large shadow over politics today in our society and country. Uh, you know, he he had uh, you know he had overcome a lot of stuff, which it makes to me. I love those stories where you know, like Roosevelt. You know what he had overcome. Those are the things that make of being great. It's you know. You know, like when we talk about Muhammad Ali, everybody didn't really respect, you know, all the old times didn't respect him until he got beat by Joe Frazier because he showed he could take a punch and he could get up and he he could keep going. You know, you built they got there. He got it there. The old time is respect. Well, JFK, I think as time goes on, is is got people's respect because of, of his what he's had to overcome. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a fairy tale by any stretch of the imagination in his life. You know, so. You, you, you know, as um, I think this is my view, um, 
one of the hidden strengths I think that Kennedy possessed throughout his career, it seems to me, whether we're talking about some of those old Boston Pauls when he was first running for the House of Representatives yeah. or or Lyndon Johnson or Richard Nixon or Khrushchev, that Kennedy was constantly underestimated by yeah. Yeah. his opposition. Yeah. Um, can you account for that Um um, over and over, how was he underestimated, you know, over and over and over again, in your view? Well, um, underest underestimated, like, just take Johnson, you know, uh, he just looked at him like, you know, a lot of guys, oh, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a frail guy, you know, he, he looked like as skinny as a rail. And uh, he looked, you know, I mean, the guy with rickets, right? He said, used to say that about him. You know, typical, you know, you judge by appearances. You didn't really judge him by his character. Right. And that's this is the thing we we're very uh, in our culture today. We're, you know, the soundbite and, you know, we don't, you know, the Twitter and, you know, we don't we really don't know somebody really well until you sit down with them, spend time with them, see they go through things. You know, the content of their character is everything. And they miss that about him and he that his opponents, you know, in his life politics like uh, LBJ. Yeah, he took him for granted. He took him. Uh, he he did not take him seriously. He thought he'd just walk into the, uh, you know, in there and get the nomination. And he was he underestimated JFK because he looked at him as someone who probably was going to live very long anyways. And he was frail. And, you know, part of it was, you know, uh, LBJ's overconfidence. But um, yeah, he was underestimated by the, you know, the Joint Chiefs. Uh, they looked at him, you know, hey, look, he, he, you know, he blew, you know, his PT boat got split in half and they thought that they could pull one over him on him with the uh, the Bay of Pigs thing. And they uh, they 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 thought I'd give him a fait accompli. And he said, what do they think th these guys underestimated him? And because of those things. And so therefore he said, no, I'm not going to sit there and take that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, manipulated into doing something that is wrong that I I expressly said we know we don't do i'm not going to give you air support so that's another thing yeah so he's part of it is 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 uh, uh his um his health issues i think i really do and also he they they took him as just a as a, a good looking guy where all the ladies loved you know and they looked at him like in that way you know it's like just like guys do today you, they, you know people in power they're no different than the guy in the street they're just they're in power you know and they they had the same problems and they judged by appearances rather than, you know, content of character, their words and their actions and, and rather than how they appear to you, you know? So that's why I think JFK, because he was such a good looking guy, handsome guy, it overshadows really what a tremendous content of character he had. Now, I know people will say, okay, you know, the, he was a ladies guy and he had you know, adulterous affairs and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So he, like a lot of guys in his era, uh, he compartmentalized things. He wasn't the only guy in politics that was doing that, not to justify what he did, but you lose sight of this. He did really, he had, you know, tremendous character in that part of his life, his, his public life, his politics, his, his professional life. And uh, that is what we're talking about with him. And that, and that's the thing that, uh, you know, yes, he's definitely very good point, Byron. That's he's definitely underestimated. And I believe it was because of those things that I just mentioned. Mm. No, as you were you talking, think, you, think, you think you think that's the case, or do you? No, no. As you were talking, I was I was thinking that um, even when you look at the first debate with him yeah. and Nixon, yeah, Nixon Nixon thought that format was perfect. Yeah, he's going to steamroll. 
Yeah, he, he, he's he, he debate Khrushchev. I would take Kennedy any day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now, but and that. And I don't think know, he minded that. I don't think JFK minded that. He'd rather be underestimated. Then he could sneak up on you. You know what I mean? It's like kind of. Yeah. A no, no. He, I think he clearly used it as a yeah. strength. It, oh, it, yeah. It, it, he did. it became a weapon. It became yeah. actually a, yeah. a, 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 a weapon. Absolutely. Um, but then again, um, he's also, and, and I think some credit has to go to the father for this. He he's the first president that really understood the burgeoning television era, and and um, what it's like to be on television, how to look on television, how to use television, because no one else really gave that much thought because television was just finding its own legs. So I think the father, you know, with his uh, background in film yep. helped him oh, understand yeah. the power of the camera. Great, great uh, point. Yeah, his dad definitely influenced him there. Oh, yeah. Very good point. Yeah, I yeah, he, he the debates. Um, he was, uh, he, he was a, tra- he was a, a trailblazer, really. Uh, he, tr- he was a trailblazer. He, he showed you how, you know, how Nixon, when his eyes are darting around and everything and, you know, half the, the radio audience thinks he wins and the video audience, they're all television audience. Like, oh, Kennedy wins that easy. And, uh, you know, part of the, they, the reason why they gave it to Kennedy with the television is because, you know, Nixon, you know, he's sweating profusely. He was sick anyways before the debate. And uh, he was also, you know, his eyes are dotting around. He didn't know how to keep still, <laughs> look at the camera and stuff. And that's, you know, they didn't really prepare Nixon for that. You know, JFK was, he was ready. He was way ahead in, in, uh, in that area. And he snuck in because of that. They, he under, Johnson underestimated that. And and the other, and other people, who, you know, went against them and, and uh, ran against them. Yeah, he, he, was, he took advantage of that. And he is, and when you think about it, when you talk about television, I, who is, who's come close to him, Byron, since then? Just his, 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 um, his press conferences are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. He's doing stuff. I know he's, he, he's been prepared, but he's doing a lot of stuff, you know, on the fly, too. And uh, his personality, his his sense of humor, it just came across. He was a regular guy. He was a guy's guy. The ladies wanted to be with him and the men all wanted to be like him. And he, he's still that guy. He's still nobody's come close to him since, you know, I mean, there's some great speakers, Reagan, uh, President Obama. You know, they, they were great speakers, and they, they, but they were not Kennedy, as we talked about, you know, they're not him. Well- well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to the press conference in just a second. Um, but I want to come to a point you just raised that when there's a sort of, a, in my view, a Kennedy curse, and the Kennedy curse is you talked about how he was on television, how he was on camera, and you also talked about the substance. Now we have, in my view, a a a, a plethora of politicians who know how to look good on the camera, right. but don't necessarily have the substance as well. And I think in, in some way I call it the candy curse because we pull that part on how to work the camera, but we don't have the, the, we don't, the, the gravitas doesn't come with it. The moral, the moral character to make. Yeah. They don't have that. You can't teach that. I mean, right. Can you to a certain extent you can, but you are who you are by the decisions you make. And 
yeah, I, I think they, they, they're trained very well today. You know, it's like they, they all go to the same schools and do the same things and, and, but they get, they don't have what he has, which is a, a first class mind, a first class sense of humor. I mean, he could be a straight man for a lot of people. He, I mean, he is, he, he knows what he's going to say. He could see him smiling, smirking in the press conferences and he knows, you know, <laughs> You know, uh, you have you done enough for, for women's right, Mr. President? You think, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, I'm sure we haven't, you know, and right, he, right. he did stuff like that all the time. And he was just, he, he you can't. You, one of the things is I, I always look for is like and I, I look at for and, and when I because I was a musician, I, I look at for bands. One of the things I liked about the Beatles is they had a great sense of humor. I look at for politicians, you know, and I don't know who I mean, there's a few. Pre, I think President Obama had a good sense of humor um, and, and Reagan definitely did. But Clinton, but I just don't think it's in a different level because of his mind. He's so quick on his feet. And he has, again, that first class mind, which separates him from everybody else and any politician today. And yeah, the Kennedy curse, it's really it's for politicians. If you have from that perspective, they have to live up to his stature. Who can? I mean, it's like now it's almost to the point where. As time goes on and we see all these things and we behind the scenes that we didn't know and all these this material that's come out, the documents that have been released, he's he's good. He's wow. This guy is something else. I mean, will we ever see his likes again? And as you said, let us just let's just make something clear. We will never, ever see his likes again. <laughs> now, I don't no, I don't worship him. I worship Jesus. OK, but I'm just telling yeah, you, yeah, as yeah, a guy, yeah. you know, just as a politician, come on, there's nobody who's going to be like him again, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you, you you mentioned um, uh, the uh, Kennedy Kennedy press conferences, and 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 I would encourage anyone, um, yeah, to go on YouTube and watch them. I mean, they're legendary. But uh. but one of the things that the press conferences belied was just how hard he worked. Yeah, for those press conferences, which goes back to his first campaign in 1946, because by all accounts in 1946, because you sort of referenced it when talking about walking the triple deckers, but by all accounts, Jack Kennedy was not a good candidate in 1946, no. and so when we see this finished product. Uh, the quick wit and the, like you said, the first class mind and the great speeches. We don't see how hard he worked. It, yeah. it, 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 yeah. There was yeah. a tremendous amount of work, which goes back to you can't just do this because your dad wants you to do it and work right. that hard. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He had the. Hey, it's just like anything. You you know, uh, Larry Bird had the talent, you know, Michael Jordan had the talent, but they worked at it. They uh, cultivated that talent. JFK was like that, just like you said. Hey, just like his speech. And so I read stuff on his, you know, he stunk as a speech uh, a sp on the stump. Uh, on that uh, JFK documentary for PBS, they brought it out really well. He, he was terrible, you know, at first. You know, he talked too fast, like I do. And all us guys from Massachusetts, we talked too fast initially. So we have to, so we need to get trained to slow down. And he learned that. He learned that. And he listened to people. That's the other thing about him that's underestimated. And we, we think, oh, he's confident, he's cocky. No, he was a very humble person. If you ask me, to, de to be good like that and to take correction, you know, his dad had to tell him, you know, with television or other people when he's running for the state uh, in 1946 and then for the Senate, he had to learn from other people. He was willing to learn and he was learning, he was willing to work at it. 
and he learned to get good as a campaigner. He wasn't very good, great as a speaker, but he had to learn to how to speak. And even his television interviews, you could see him like in 1952 and he's talking about Vietnam, that famous uh, clip. But you listen to him eight years later. Wow, what a change. I mean, he because he like you said, he worked at it. That's the thing that people don't. The If you look at him just from face value, he's just a pretty face and he's charismatic and he had a pretty wife and he had a nice kids and and all that. And, you know, he died uh, terribly and, and it was very dramatic change in our country. But look at deep down at him. We talked about this. Uh, in, 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 the, in our previous, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with each other is like, you know, you know, the, the JFK assassination, all that's involved is a story in itself. OK. And is, I think it's important to learn to learn as much as you can about that. But I think it, it also it does take away from what he did as a man, as a president, too. And as, a, you know, whatever he did in life. So we don't want to lose sight of that. You must have a balance when you look at this guy. So we don't want to get you know, that's why I, I enjoy talking about him. And not, you know, we, you know, people like to talk about his assassination and all that, but uh, which I say is important too. But I think we can't lose sight about who he was, because the reason why his assassination was so dramatic and important is because of what a great man he was, you know, and a great character. When you when you um, think about that, the JFK presidency, um, I, I think it's fair to say that Kennedy put a lot in motion in a short amount of time. Oh, wow. What a truck. All the crisis he had to deal with. Oh, my gosh. But he was only in office a thousand days. Yeah, so yeah. the tangible completion, he didn't get a lot, a lot accomplished. Um, he kept us we, out of war, but Byron, he kept us out of war. That's what he well, did. Yeah, let, let me finish. When we think of other presidents that are often that are often discussed, we think about them in terms of what they accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kennedy is unique because in the age of television, he also brings about this aspirational quality. And I think it's this aspirational quality that still li- lives with us today. And I'd like to have you, you know, you know, comment on that aspirational quality of JFK. Aspirational quality. Um, go a little further on that. Well, well, I mean, y- 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 you know, you, 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 um, I, I know you and I can look at speeches that we've seen over and over, over again yeah. and still be inspired by the moon speech, still be inspired uh, oh, by the okay. civil rights speech, still be inspired by the peace speech, still be inspired by the Berlin speech. I mean, these, these aspirational, like, yeah, qualities that he, he led by rhetoric. He, he learned what every president should know, even today. You, you lead by rhetoric. You can't lead by words and action so much. Uh, action so much because it, it, we're in a democracy. We have a republic. You know, we have branches of government, and things go slower than we than you know if it was a, a dictator. You know, and he mentioned that, and other presidents have mentioned that. But he 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 gave us he get, he made us he he you know those hortatory subjunctives that he used to use with with Sorensen's uh, help, obviously let us. He who's done that since then, if you try to do that today, you're trying to imi- imitate JFK. No, that's biblical. I mean, biblical writers use that hortatory subjunctive. Let us basically enga- follow me engaging in an activity for greatness, whether it's on the moon or whatever we're doing, the civil rights thing, the civil rights speech. I mean, yeah, uh, he knew he knew the heart of the, the, the pulse of the people. The, how do you know that? I, I don't know how he knew that. 
Uh, he did his, his last uh, speeches that he did uh, in the in the Midwest and the, the upper Midwest in 63. He started talking about peace. And then he's the crowds were he saw that the, what they were ex- accepting that they wanted that the country, he knew the pulse of the, the people was we are not, we're tired of war. We just had World War Two. We've lost our loved ones and we are, you know, our parents and our children and whatnot. And and then we, you know, now with the Korean War and the bomb and now you're going to go to the rush and you want us to go here and you want us to go. The people didn't want to do that. And they bore out in, in history with the Vietnam War with when Johnson escalated the war. And it's like. He didn't want you know, that. So he led, he inspired us uh, because he is, is part of it was his technique, those hortatory subjunctives. He was let us. He was, a, you know, he knew how to engage people when he was speaking, publicly speaking, you know, and uh, he he knew how to do that. And that's that's very important. And then, then the other thing is when you're a charismatic person and you look up the definition for charismatic was big definite. You got that. You got that it factor that is God given, and you can cultivate it and work on it. But it's only God given. And those people like Churchill, you know, are like that. Roosevelt was like that. You know, and Lincoln was like that. You know, and and so that is something is God given, and it's a gift from God that he just he had that quality. But he also, again, like he worked on it just with his the way he 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 his technique and, and with the hortatory subjunctives. So. Hmm. Now, we, we've all heard people say, um, sort of, I'm almost flippant uh, in my view, that we need another JFK for the, for the present moment. I guess my, that sounds good, but I guess my question to you is, is that even possible in today's culture, for no. good or bad? No, I, I don't think it's possible to ever have, the way things are now, no. I don't think you could ever, I don't think it, it, it uh, you know, just, First of all, some of the, you know, what he was what he was doing in his private life, you know, they, they would be all over that today. They, they covered all that up back in that day. It was nobody's business and the press didn't touch it. And in a way, I think that's the way it should be. I'm not saying justifying what he did, but that's one reason why I don't think you ever see another guy like him. But um, the other thing is uh, we're we're our culture with the, with social media and there's a place for social media. And if it's used rightly, OK. But like, take for instance, Twitter. You know, I I, I hardly ever use Twitter. It's like, okay, there's a little sound bites, you know, and <clears throat> we don't, you know, is anybody going to sit there and listen to a uh, him do a press conference or you know to the way that he be- did back then or did you know listen to his really listen to his speeches? I'm just going to listen to a sound bite. I mean, when they <clears throat> when he came and when the president was on the television, it was all around. Everybody watched it. <clears throat> this is before he became president Eisenhower, you know, and, and Truman. People watch the thing or listen to Roosevelt, you know. But today, do they do that? I don't. I don't. I think the culture is so uh, sadly, and we all know this, uh, it is apathetic. And uh, you know, I mean, I think President Obama and Reagan were brought that out, but not. No, they couldn't do capture with Kennedy. I, mean, I don't think we ever could get to that again. Somebody else. They're going to have to be a, a, a different person there for the man of the, or, the, or, the, or the woman of their generation. Okay? Hmm. So that's why he was a man of his times. So somebody mm-hmm. who's going to be a man of his times today will have to come up and be who he is, you know? Yeah, no, I, th- I think you make a really good point because for all intents and purposes, uh, Kennedy was a Rat Pack president. Um, 
Uh, he's yeah. hanging out with Sinatra and the Rat Pack. Yep. You, you know, I, I'm trying to imagine, let's say, President Obama hanging out on a consistent basis, partying with Jay-Z. I don't think it works. It doesn't no. work the same way. No, no. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. You won't see that again. That's another thing. Who does that? Who will do that? You know? Right. And, 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 and I think that 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 um, and one of the most important things about history is you have to keep people in their times. Yes. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, the person born the day Kennedy was assassinated just had their 60th birthday. Yeah. So you you I mean, yeah. so it's a different time now. It's a it's yeah. a different time. Yeah. So you, yeah. You, you, yeah, the context, we talk about this all the time. And and this is anytime you deal with history, you as being a history professor, you know it so, so well. Uh, everything's about context. I'm a pastor. I study the Bible. I mean, I, you study the Bible in its context. You can study people in their context. You can't pass judgment on somebody from 21st, 21st century standards. Like uh, we talked about Jefferson, you know, he was wrestling with slavery and the issue of that. And you can't sit there and condemn the guy. He was a man of his times. He inherited that, you know, and they kicked it down, can down the road, you know, for the next generation. But you, you, yeah, you have to pay attention to people in their context, historical context. If you don't, it's not fair. I mean, would you, would you like it? Would some, would you like, you would like somebody, to, I wouldn't want anybody to try to interpret me out of my historical context. You know, if I was a public figure like that, a major public figure and uh, yeah, I, context is everything when you, when you, when you study people in history, because if you don't, you could you they have a tendency uh, people have a tendency to uh, disregard them and not pay attention to what they did in history and everything well, history is everything is connected to each other right up to the present moment we are what we are today because of pre previous things that have happened in, in history right so well if you you end up having like a, a young man you and i both know who told who told me that that uh, uh Will Chamberlain couldn't start for half the teams in the NBA today. So, so you have to keep people in their context, right? Because they think us old guys, what are we, we, we're we like, so, you know, we're ancient. And, uh, but I always tell them, we, you ever hear the expression, stand on the shoulders of giants? Yeah. There wouldn't have been a, there wouldn't have been a Michael Jordan or anybody if there wasn't a Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, there wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been, uh, you know, a Ted Williams unless there was a Babe Ruth first, right? You right. know, so, yeah, because everything develops, you know, and and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I you know, uh, Will Chamberlain, I couldn't believe when I when you told I hear that all the time. <laughs> These people are out of their minds. They, 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 that guy, we should just have a, a podcast on the Wilt sometime. On Will. But that's <laughs> just he's just a, a dominated the, the whole everything. He could dominate it today. He'd be great three point shooter, too, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, the Kennedy Kennedy presidency, we, we talk about was only a thousand days. And those first 365 days were not good. I'm talking about 1961, yeah. especially, especially foreign policy. You know, there was a, a series of perceived failures. I mean, I, you, you mentioned earlier the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. He had uh, what appears to be an unproductive uh, conference with uh, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev in Vienna. Yep. Um, the Berlin Wall goes up. Um, I have my own thoughts about the Berlin Wall. I don't know if that was necessarily a failure, but uh, I'll, I don't think it was. I think it's exactly um, what he wanted to solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, and but but by 1962, you have uh, the the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, could we look at the Cuban Missile Crisis as saying that how Kennedy handled that was a result 
of the perceived um, failures of 1961 led to a successful outcome with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Can we look at it that way? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think you have a Cuban Missile Crisis without the Berlin, uh, the, uh, the Bay of Pigs. I think, uh, you know, right there in the Bay of Pigs, you know, he, uh, yeah, he, 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 he made the final decision. He, he took the responsibility, which is another reason why I think about JFK. He took responsibility and admitted his fault. He, they screwed up major. And uh, what presidents have we ever seen do that since? I mean, this guy took the hit and he knew that behind the scenes, he knew who the guy he was going to fire, Dulles. Okay. And uh, so, you know, yeah, you don't have. So then Khrushchev, he sees that now Kennedy is perceived as weak and he can't, he, he screws this major town. We could take advantage of him here. And that Khrushchev took, a, he took advantage of him. He underestimated him, right? He did the same thing. And he underestimated Kennedy. Didn't, he, he took his gentleness as a, as a sign of weakness when really he was tough and he was going to be tough when he needed to be. So that just, that that's why we, but then Kennedy did what he learned from the Bay of Pigs. He learned from his mistakes and his conversation with Eisenhower after that as to ask to, to, to grill the generals. Okay. And just don't accept what they say. And you, you know, ask those questions. And he, and he kicked himself for not asking those questions in the Bay of Pigs. That thing never would have happened if he did what he did in the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so, yeah, yeah, they're all, they're, those are connected together. It's a perfect example how you talk about with, in history, we, there's all these things are connected together. You know, you can't talk about a, a Cuban Missile Crisis without the, without the Bay of Pigs, you know, perfect example of that. So uh, by 1963, um, Kennedy, in my view, sort of has found his presidential voice. Uh, in June of 63, Kennedy, um, gives, in my view, it has a 17-day span um, where he offers the most meaningful oratory, in my view, of presidential history. So on June 10th, he gave the peace speech at American University, uh, giving us a different way to look at the Cold War, at least giving us a different way to look at the Soviet Union. The next night, he gives a civil rights speech, elevates civil rights to a moral issue, and then he goes to Berlin and famously says, Ich bin Berliner. Doesn't that seven day day span really go to your point that you can't lead by doing things that you have to lead with oratory that that sort of goes to your earlier point right yeah yeah you can lead by rhetoric and uh yeah you, it, that you have to because the country's so big right <laughs> you know it's not, it's not like you read a lead in a, uh you know a, a little uh business you know a small business um you're leading three how, how many people back then 300 something million um I mean, can you name a seven-day period in American history, presidential history, of a of a of that magnitude of what he did? And every one of those things were huge. And he took and talk about the courage it took to do the peace speech and to do the civil rights speech. When you know he's got to win the South in the in the election, and he's going to make a lot of enemies, and he did. I mean, the Berlin Wall. I mean, the Russians are just hanging across the street, across, across the way, you know, and they're telling him, well, it's easy there, you know, <laughs> and, but he, would go, he went ahead and did it anyways, you know. So I don't think there's a greater seven day period uh, in history, in presidential history. I mean, Lincoln had his great moments, obviously, Roosevelt, but a seven day period like that. It's, I'm it, sorry, 17. Seven, it was, it was 17. 17. Oh, you said seven, 17. Yeah, right. 17. So 17 still, day period. Yeah. That's still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 no, it, it, it's, it's an amazing it's, it's an amazing moment. You know, uh, you, you, we sort of touched on a gloss. I want to come back to it because uh, 
But when the Berlin Wall goes up, um, everyone saw it as a reflection of Kennedy's weakness. But Kennedy saw it as Khrushchev's problem because he was having it, he was bleeding people coming to the oh, coming yeah. to the coming to the West. So Kennedy was like the only person in the room that didn't see that as a reflection of his weakness, but saw it as a reflection of the Soviet Union system, a weakness in their system. Right. And he I guess if you think about the Cuban Missile Crisis, he actually took advantage of that understanding that the Soviet Union, he was probably the first to understand they were negotiating much more from weakness than the bluster would have you believe. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Khrushchev is yeah, his rhetoric, his rhetoric. And, you know, Vienna, you know, OK, so he, he he spoke over Kennedy in Vienna. So I don't think that means he wins the argument. Uh, no. Yeah. The the, um, you know, Kennedy with the. Uh, you know, the, Ber the Berlin, uh, the, the peace speech, um, you know, the civil rights speech. Uh, he's he's uh, he's leading by rhetoric because and he's 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 basically setting the tone for foreign policy and, 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 and also the policy in the country as far as with civil rights, social. Uh, so that's how you got to lead. And that, and that, as a president, and I, people, but you have a bully pulpit, and he took advantage of that. I think he took advantage of that because after his, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, this is just me, and we talked about this before. I think the reason why he he was so bold after six, the Cuban Missile Crisis is because he has the political capital for first. He wasn't, he you know, he snuck in just by the skin of his teeth to win the presidency. Now he's got a great approval rating, massive approval rating. He had it anyways. So then he's going to go. And, uh, and after the Cuban Missile Crisis, as he famously said to his brother, well, I ought to go to the theater now. I think he really knew he was in danger. And I think he said, well, I'm going to I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I don't care about my, these enemies or whatever. I'm going to do the right thing. And at this point, I'm just going to do what has to be done. And I have a great I have a I have this uh, great opportunity for greatness here. And history has borne that out. Um. Well, let's uh, talk about the, 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 the one area that we haven't touched on yet. I, I, I don't want to solve the Kennedy assassination today, but what I do, what I would like to have you talk about is the impact going forward that no, November 22nd, 1963 has had on the American culture. Well, obviously, um, uh, the apathy. Uh, nobody trusts their leaders. That's the massive thing that's going on. Nobody trusts anybody. There used to be a respect for both sides. There used to be respect for authority in our country. There's no respect really for authority in our country. You know, part of it is, you know, uh, this is what you get for lying to your people, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's a humong it's, it's a really thing that we've never overcome. The country, you know, we went from the, that assassination has changed Everything you talk to people, I talk to people who are older than me, my parents, my you know grandparents, and other people, and teachers. And over the years, they the world was a different place before that assassination, and then what happened after that, and, and including that, is people have realized that uh, um, they don't have they can't they don't have the say that they, they, they there's a big massive machine that is keeping them from fulfilling their, their dreams of this country, you know, with freedom of speech, the Bill of Rights, the, the Constitution. 
And it's uh, people don't believe it anymore. The, the world, the country does not believe doesn't believe in this country the way it used to when he was president. And that was the, the height of zenith of this country. And now we, you know, we have all this apathy and people have no respect for authority and everybody's suspicious of the, of the, of the government. And a lot of it is for good reason, you know, for the things that have gone down. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a huge problem. I don't know if we can ever dig out of that. I really don't know if that's ever possible to dig out from, and I hate to be, uh, you know, negative about it, but I mean, I don't know how, how, how we could ever get out from under this. Um, I would think that each individual would follow the example of like uh, a John Kennedy and Martin Luther King and, and uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy and people of that, a lot of people of that time that we don't talk about so much that, you know, they love their neighbors themselves. They try to do the best they could, uh, whatever they were in their field to do the best they could be. And uh, I think that's what, you know, the Kennedy brothers were about. That's what Martin Luther King was about. He cared about others and not, no, it was not about them. I think being a great leader, you have to be thinking about others. Yeah, I know there's an ego there and there's, you know, power is a great aphrodisiac, but I think the great leaders, they cared about their people. You know, JFK, you know, in the Cuban Missile Crisis, when the guy got shot down, the, the U-2 spy, he wrote a letter, you know, uh, he, you know, he wrote a letter to, to the, the wife, you know, and it was only one, this one guy that got killed, right? But he did stuff like that. He cared about people. And that's what makes the great leaders. And so, yes, I suppose we sure can, we can dig out from this, but we need to be, take a look at ourselves because our, as a nation, we are reflect, uh, our leaders reflect who we are many times as a people. So I think we can dig out from this, but it's talk about us. We have to be, we have to be people who, you know, care about others and, 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 and not just about our career and how, how our status is like, how many likes we get on Facebook. You know, it's gotta be, we got to follow their example. They led by example, those guys, you know. Well, you know, we, we mentioned um, the, the June of 1963 in that 17 day span of incredible oratory. But when you think about the assassination in 63, so let's just take Nixon resigned in 74. Mm -hmm. So you have the assassination, you have the assassination two years later, or yeah, two years later, um, you have the, Gulf of Tonkin and the escalation of Vietnam, which which the escalation was based on a lie. And yep. then you have and then you have Watergate. And so we didn't have access to information then as we do now. But that's a lot for a country to endure to oh, to yeah. to have their suppositions challenge to have the suppositions about authority just just sort of turned on their heads. I mean, we, we couldn't conceive of our country lying to us in this way. Right. That's why the reason why they we get they, they've got away with a lot of these things, because we're so we're naive to think that, you know, we're better than other countries. We don't have wicked, crooked leaders and we don't have crooked pe people who are evil. Uh, yeah, we do. We're just like any other nation, you know, unfortunately. With that with that said, though, um, JFK legacy still alive and well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And with this upcoming presidential election, um, you know, it, it's going to definitely be, uh, you know, his stature grows as we go through this another election. And I wish the guys, whoever's going to do a debate, go look at the uh, Kennedy Nixon debates and how they were gentlemen and how they spoke to the issues and they didn't talk over each other and disrespect each other. And I can't stand that. Don't have it. It's not a debate anymore. It, that's now it's just a sound bite and trying to show your, you know, you can talk over somebody. And, and like you and I, we, 
when we talk, you know, when we're in that, in our, when we have the, the, our conversations, the people listening to our conversations is pretty funny. And they, you know, what we try to do is show respect for each other, you know, and, and that and have, uh, and let the person talk and let them, you know, we might interrupt each other because we're excited about something we're talking about. But yeah, we, you know, that's something I'd like to see. You know, let's go back and look at those old debates and say, well, can we act, can we act like civil people? And can we, can we, you know, politics is about compromise, you know, and, you, you know, half the country is Democrat, half the cap is Republican and there's independent. And you got to be able to work with people. Nixon and Kennedy. Most people don't know Nixon and Kennedy were very good friends. OK, they weren't best buddies, but they were good friends. And another guy, Barry Goldwaller, go, he was a Mr. Conservative. OK, and he was he loved JFK when his assassination took place. They're going to do debates, as you as you know. And he was so stunned by this. And he, he said, I was watching this YouTube interview with him. He said uh, he was a, a man's man. And, you know, you don't hear the other side saying that about the other side today. You know, the, the, and so they work together. That's what we need to do is work together for the good of the country and not just be have our own selfish interest in mind. Let's look at the good for the, the greater good for the people. And that's what JFK brought to the table. He looked at the greater bit, the greater good. He led by his rhetoric, his speech, his speaking, and setting you know uh, agendas and what we need to do as a people. Moral issues like the civil rights movement, and even the moral issue of the of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Nuclear war is immoral, right? So this is what we need to take from him and learn from him, and learn from you know from, from that era of great men led by himself. You know, and, and let's let's take it into the next uh, you know let's take it to the next election. They should. Uh, Everybody's going to be in that uh, election should be taking a class on on 1960 uh, election, which was close. <laughs> Pastor Bill Winsham, sir, I want to thank you, my friend, for joining me today on the public rally. Much, much appreciated. Well, so we'll have to continue this conversation over cigars later on today. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, Byron. It's, it's pretty cool. And the, it was it was weird not seeing your uh, your 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 smiling face uh, with a cigar. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. You're very, uh, very gracious. And thank you for being patient with me. If I, uh, you know, I, I, I lost my train of thought sometime. <laughs> not, yeah. not at all. The Public Morality welcomes your comments. You can contact me at Byron at publicmorality.org. That's Byron, B-Y-R-O-N at publicmorality.org. You can follow me on Facebook as well as Twitter the archive broadcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Prime, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those listening to the Public Rally on WSNC can also listen on a tap. Using your mobile device, simply go to your application page, search WSNC 90.5, and click open to listen from anywhere. The Public Rally is produced at WSNC on the campus of Winston-Salem State University. For all of us at the Public Morality, I'm Byron Williams.